Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Yeah, the Bob Marley thing is something I would put on the list. Yep, you and me both. Watch. You and me both. The guy who plays him, he doesn't really look like Bob Marley. He's like a a, a good-looking superstar version of Bob Marley. If if you know if, if I ever do anything famous and you got to hire an actor, please get someone who's a million times better looking than me to play the role. I would feel good about that. They're like, oh, that John Reed, he was really good looking. Yes, yes. When maybe or maybe that you know, you know it may. May, may not have been the case that Hollywood can help you or kill you with these uh, biopics um, um, from, from, from time to time. Uh, I went to Jamaica and had a great time in Jamaica, except when I left the resort. Man, it was rough. This is 20-some years ago. It was rough. I remember, good gracious, I think it was last summer. Uh, seeing a trailer for this Bob Marley movie, and Linda and I were like, "Hey, well, that movie looks interesting." Yeah, so. yeah. He he did have an interesting story. I went to the house where he was born, and the guy who gave us the tour was supposedly one of his childhood friends. Of course, he wanted a twenty dollars tip when it was over with because he told us all the stories about baby, the baby Bob, the baby Bob Marley. I can't even do the Jamaican accent, but it was he showed us the cradle where he was placed after he was born, supposedly, and then you go around the the back of the house and there's his tomb um so that's i mean it was interesting interesting cab ride to get up into the mountains to where bob marley was um born too i mean it's, jamaica's jamaica's a beautiful place but man mm, i have not been back it was just rough it was it was just a little rough outside of the the resort i, I there was one place where i thought at night, I felt uncomfortable, like maybe something bad was going to happen. All these guys walking around with machetes kind of made me feel a little uncomfortable. But that's a story for another another morning. 7.07 on this Monday. It's the 26th day of February 2024. I'm John Reed, and we are glad you're with us here on News Radio WRVA. If Donald Trump wins in November... If he wins, I think one of the, there are many, there are probably a hundred factors, but one of the factors will be this Democrat push for diversity, equity, and inclusion, which translates, don't be fooled, don't be lied to, it translates to reverse racism, modern racism, and systemic racism legitimized in a modern sense. Just, I mean, just look at what's happening 
all across the country, in private business and schools and other institutions, you're being trained right now. I don't know if you're aware of it. I don't know if you're falling for it. You're being trained to accept the idea that no longer will decisions be made on promotions and payments and uh, salaries and opportunities. No longer will that be based on merit. It will be based on uh, we got to have someone who looks this way or uh, fits this profile in the job. So, you know, maybe it doesn't matter at a PR firm like I used to work at. But I th- I'm telling you, I think it probably matters when you go to your doctor. Probably matters when you go get on a plane and you, you don't even think twice now about who the pilot is because you assume they went to the Naval Academy or they were, you know, in the Air Force or, you know, something where they had experience. I, I think we're going to start caring about whether the people who are doing jobs are actually qualified to do it, regardless of what color they are or whether everything is chosen based on skin color and, and other um, data points. Karen Michael, you know, does consulting all across the United States and here in Virginia uh, related to these types of issues. And she's been kind enough to come on this morning to talk through whether DEI is alive or whether uh, those of us who've been lashing out about it over the last several years have successfully kind of derailed this thing. Good morning to you, Karen. What do you think? Good morning. So I think that the concept of DEI has been hijacked by people who wrongly believe it is about quotas and preferences. Mm -hmm. And what happened after the murder of George Floyd in 2020 is that companies did this pendulum swing where they raced to say, we're going to be so diverse and we're going to hire all our employees are going to be black going forward. And that's how it's going to be. And all our white people will be fired. And that's how the concept of DEI got hijacked. Everybody except the CEO, the the white CEO decided he was, he or she was going to keep their job, but it's just the, the lower tier people who need to be replaced. And the whole executive suite. And as long as you have one person of color. And so it got completely hijacked, which infuriates me because I am such a proponent of fairness and respect and civility in our workplaces. And that's really what TEI originated. That's what it's supposed to be about. And it just got completely hijacked. And so What's happened is, and if you look at the articles, you know, out just this year, Axios has an article out that came out earlier this year. Companies are backing away from DEI, and the Washington Post says, you know, as DEI gets more divisive, companies are ditching their teams. That was last week. And the reality is these DEI programs have been unfocused, ineffective. What is the goal? What does it really mean? What are these employee resource groups supposed to be doing? And that lack of focus has led companies to be like, is this, what are we, what are we accomplishing here? And so I think that that is where I'm hoping the pendulum swings to what DEI was always supposed to be about, which was casting a wide net, making sure people have fairness in our process. And then when people are employed, making sure that they have a civil and inclusive work environment. That's what it was always supposed to be about. It got hijacked. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's coming back. So I, I, I think DEI, as it relates to preferences and quotas and white hate and man hate and all those things, I, I hope that that's done. We need to move away from that. And I, I think the pendulum is swinging back, which I'm which I'm happy about because I'm I'm a proponent of a civil and respectful workplace. So. Yeah, well, me me too. And in my personal life, I I I'm not looking for anyone to discriminate against 
a, a white person like me or a black person like just take, for example, Alonzo. I want everybody to have an opportunity here. But, you know, you mentioned the white hate thing, and I don't want to be overly sensitive because I'm a big boy. I can handle it if somebody has, you know, says something ugly about me. But I know that if I were to take some of the things, I could probably print out emails here. And if I were to take those same emails and reverse the racial component to it and share those with someone's employer, that person would be fired. But because they've said it about me as a white person, it's, I don't know, somehow that's acceptable. You know, not, not a critique of me and what I've said on the air, not, not necessarily a critique of me as a performer or a, you know, some of the things I'm saying, but just a lash out racially. And I feel like I'm not alone in that. I, 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 it's almost like it's okay to attack white people these days and to make generic statements like, oh, well, that's so white of you. Um, oh, and you know that yeah, wouldn't be okay if I did it in reverse, which I wouldn't, but. Well, I don't think it's okay either way. And I think that but you have to step back and you do have to ask yourself, all of the women that go into the workplace, mm-hmm. all of the people that call, of color that go into our workplaces, all of the people that graduate from universities and law schools, and that, why are most companies truly run by white men? I mean, you do have to kind of step back and be like, wonder why that is. And mm-hmm. so I think it's reasonable to ask, is there something happening in our organizations that are preventing women and people of color from elevating up the ranks to leadership positions. I mean, you do have to kind of question what is going on. And I think efforts should be made to make sure that people are supported, that they do have opportunities because something is happening. You can't just kind of look back and be like, well, this is just the way it is. So few companies are run by women or people of color. And you do have to kind of wonder why that is. Is there something systemic or something like that? But Mark Cuban recently got into a little bit of interesting conversation when he posted, you know, that guy, Mark Cuban, yes. who's a billionaire, whatever. Oh, he the Mavericks, that, right? He owns the Mavericks. Yeah, and he posted, I've never hired anyone based exclusively on race, gender, religion. I only hire the person that will put my business in the best position to succeed. And yes, race and gender can be part of the question. I view diversity as a competitive advantage. And the Republican EEOC Commissioner Andrea Lucas responded back and said, that's not how this works. It is illegal for you to use race, gender, or any of these factors as a motivating factor, not just the the reason, but if it's a motivating factor for why you're hiring somebody or promoting somebody, Mm -hmm. that's illegal. Mm -hmm. So that's where DEI has gotten all screwed up because Mark Cuban wrongly thinks that he can get out there with all, I guess, his white guilt or whatever he's got and, you know, boast about how he's using that as a factor because he so believes in diversity, unknowingly not understanding that that's that's a violation of federal law. Oh, everybody thinks that hiring is supposed to be a Benetton ad now that you're casting for when we take the, the picture in front of the building, it's supposed to look a certain way. And that doesn't seem right to me. If it turns out that way, cool. Uh, But I think most people would look at the NFL roster photo and say, wow, you got a lot of um, you got a little a lot of little Asians on there. You're probably not going to be a very successful team. That's the most obvious uh, example of where it wouldn't be advantageous to hire based on race. Right. 
Well, I'm not going to say that Asians can't play football, so I would not use that <laughs> characterization because I don't. I'm think, making you know, a generalization. But but I do think that uh, we we absolutely need to make sure we're focusing on the most qualified person mm-hmm. and casting a net, and making sure people are included in our, and, and, and wellness in our organizations and respect. You know, I have my article out this week is about the town, town of Abington, where the mayor and all the elected officials were apparently super nasty and yelling and all these horrible things to the town mayor m- manager, and he sued under the ADA and lost. But the, the point was, why are we not? Why are we tolerating these workplaces that are not respectful? That's what we need to get back to. Not the yeah. yeah. push. Civility. So, you know, right. And and by the way, in your earlier statement in the six o'clock hour about spaces for men and women. Oh yeah. In our what do you life, think? Uh-huh. You should be able to have a space. I want spaces for women in my private life, and you should have a space for men in your private life. And people of color, if they want to have Italians, should be able to have their private space. I mean, I, the whole thing is just ridiculous. How do you self-associate doesn't need to be regulated by the government? If we're doing it in our private life. In your private life. In our own gotcha. private okay. life, yes. Yeah. And I don't have any problem with having your wonderful event with your male spaces, and I hope people don't criticize our women's spaces. Yeah, it's fine. Just, we we should be able to congregate with people we want to congregate with. So I agree. I don't understand the criticism of expecting everybody to have to open up their space to everybody. It just it's very interesting how I don't know. I feel like women have fought all this time to have spaces, and, <laughs> and now, now they're being overtaken. <laughs> they really are, yeah. and I don't know, you know. And so I, I think that if we want our space, then we should allow other people to have their space too. So. Now I got to run, but let me just say one more thing about the the racial stuff. You know, I went to Henrico County Public Schools, and then I went to St. Christopher's. And St. Christopher's is a private Episcopal prep school. And a lot of the, I don't know if it's this way now, but a lot of the CEOs in the Richmond area came through St. Christopher's. Wealthy families, nothing wrong with them at all, but it was a big difference to me to be in a culture where the families were very, I mean, I I remember being a student there and being around people who cared about money and making money and business, which was not the background that I came from uh, with public school teachers and a political family. And I think that culture aspect of it is a big deal. And we're talking about white Henrico and white St. Christopher's at the time. And I just saw the difference between the culture. So if you want to be successful, you need to get around people who are doing what it is that you want to do and stop hanging out with people who are doing things that clearly aren't generating success. Right. I, I mean, agree. I, but you would admit that going to St. Christopher's, I mean, that was, pri- that was a privilege. My it was, that's true. Trinity, that that's was a true. privilege. I mean, they have, there's no excuse for them not to be successful. They've had now all the they, opportunity. Yeah. Now they've, um, I think kicked open the doors and are making it more accessible for more people who might not traditionally have gone there and that's and i think that's important but hey i'm over i really appreciate it always karen thank you so much thank you karen michael karen michael consulting her book is stay hired if you want to read it off of amazon try to keep your job 719 back with more in a moment on news radio wrva listen to every mlb game live the deep left center field it is high it is far it is gone stream minor league affiliates the midwest league home run leader and watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on mlb big inning mlb at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month deep left field it's gonna go alvarez ties the game subscribe to at bat within the mlb app today major league baseball trademarks used with permission